This morning, I'm so excited to talk to you about gathering. So would you turn to somebody and say gather? When we talk about gathering, it, this is just the time of year to gather. As a matter of fact, as I, as I go up and down the street, I look at signs and things that everybody decorates with on, in front of their house and pictures hanging on the wall, all these beautiful signs that say gather. And, you know, the very first question I ask myself is for what? <laughs> but the truth is, is that as people of God, we don't really need an excuse to gather together because we've got this culture. And I love this amazing culture about our church in particular. Every time we gather together, there's food involved. <laughs> Anybody ever be blessed by the gathering of food? Or <laughs> I... I love, I love to come, I love to celebrate, I love to fellowship, I love to gather together and eat with you. There is something, there is something wonderful about sharing a meal. There is something spiritual about sharing a meal with somebody. And, and we use this time, this season, uh, to, to have an excuse to gather together. We just recently had this amazing Harvest Fest where hundreds of people across our community filled this sanctuary up and in our parking lot. It was the middle of rain, and we just had a, a blast gathering together. As a matter of fact, I was told that my kids, my kids alone wore some of the games out. So I apologize. Just send me the bill. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. Um, but uh, but we, had a, we had an amazing time. But, but we're all gearing up here for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, one of my favorite times of the year because I get to break out the, the stretchy pants. I get to get ready for my favorite sides. I get to get ready for leftovers. It is, it is a wonderful time of family and fellowship and food, and I love it. And every year, I remember back to the very first Thanksgiving that I, I shared with Claudia. It was 20 years ago, the very first Thanksgiving that we were able to spend together. And many of you may not know, but Claudia is actually half Indonesian and half German. Her mother is from Indonesia and her father is from Germany. That makes her half Indonesian and half German, but she's all American, my all American. And, and she invited me to go to her family's Thanksgiving. It was a wonderful time. I, I, I had a chance. I walked into the home. It was uh, in her aunt's house. Her aunt is German, speaks with a German accent. Dad, I heard German accents and English is awesome. And then all of a sudden, out of, out of the corner of my ear, I caught, uh, I caught Indonesian accents. And then they were speaking Indonesian to, to each other. I couldn't understand it, but I was like, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. And then all of a sudden, there were, there were Chinese people, and they spoke with Spanish accents. I know, I couldn't, I was like, I don't understand this, but it is great. It is wonderful. It is wonderful. And they were speaking Spanish to each other, and then all their kids had uh, American accents. It was like a me. it was like Thanksgiving at the United Nations. It was wonderful. Wonderful time. I felt, I, I felt uh, so unified. I felt so American in that moment that, that each and every person in that, in that house gathered together uh, freedom to come from other nations, other, other places, and to gather together uh, to, to love each other and to celebrate with each other and to be thankful with each other. And that's kind of what I, I envision as the kingdom of God, amen? That we can come from everywhere and anywhere and be anybody and come into the kingdom. That's what I want this church to be like. Somebody say amen. amen. That you can be from any background, any tribe, any tongue. You can have any, anything in your past, but you can still come and gather together at the Father's house, at the Father's table, and enjoy fellowship 
with other believers in fellowship with the Father himself. That's something to get excited about. I don't care about you. I, I mean, I do care about you. I just don't. I, I, want, I care about God and what he wants. For our, that, that's going to end up on the highlights, isn't it? I'm glad we're recording all this stuff. All right. Praise God anyway. Um, see, that's what the kingdom of heaven is described as. Is more than anything, the kingdom of heaven is described as a feast. It's described as a banquet laid out before us. We see it many times as a, as a feast uh, like, a, like the, the wedding at Cana, where, where there's a banquet, and that's where Jesus performed his first miracle. Or, or, or in, in many parables in, in, in Matthew 22 or in our text today, as we uh, prepare to turn to uh, Luke chapter 14, you'll see that, that Jesus used the banquet as a parable, I mean, as, a, as an expression of the kingdom of God in heaven, our reward. Uh, you, you see it even in the last book of the Bible, Revelation, where you see that in Revelation, we celebrate the marriage supper of the Lamb. And each one of these moments, each one of these times, we realize something, that the kingdom of heaven is not just a future reward, a future home and glory. But it's an opportunity that we get to have right here and now to enjoy the benefit of being a part of the family of God, to enjoy the banquet that the Lord lays before us here at Christ's legacy, here at these altars, the expression of love that, that God pours out in our hearts and our lives that gives us peace, that passes all understanding, that gives us a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory, that that does away with shame and guilt, that does away with, with sin, that brings us as a part of not only uh, heirs and co-heirs with Christ Jesus, but also it brings us together as adopted sons and daughters of God. And that is something to be excited about. That each and every Sunday, you and I have an opportunity to join together in a family reunion and a chorus that expresses our love and our gratitude to God. And that is something amazing. That it doesn't matter where you come from or what you've been, what you've been doing, that God, can, that God not only can but desires for you to come in and be a part of his family, to touch you, to interact in, in your life and in my life. And we can see that this, this expression is found all throughout uh, entire scripture from Old Testament into New Testament. Listen to how Isaiah describes that feast that the Lord lays out before us. Isaiah chapter 25, starting in verse 6. In Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a, a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. There he will remove the cloud of gloom. Somebody say amen. The shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever all insult and mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken. 
You see, and the, the opportunity that we have to come and have fellowship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Lord of Heaven's armies, is not just for a future day when that trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise and that we who are still alive will be caught up in the air to be with Him. That is our hope and glory, but we have not just a hope and a glory, but we have an enjoyment of this day. For this is the day that the Lord has made. And what? Come on, somebody. That's exciting news, that we have an opportunity to come and, and have a banquet with each other and enjoy one another's company, which can kind of feel awkward at a church sometime because, you know, you know that person sitting over there. <laughs> That's made in the Lord's image. You see, if this feels like it's too good to be true, that you want to be a part of it, but it's been so long, or maybe you have never, Experience that kind of joy and that kind of gladness that soothes the soul. It can be yours. It can be yours right now, just not just someday, not just another day, not just whenever you get better, not just whenever the Lord heals your heart, not just whenever he heals your body, not whenever you get the miracle or not when you move into the new house or not whenever you get the kids out the house, which makes it like a new house. You can tell where I'm at right now. It's for here. It's for now. It's for us. And that makes it exciting. All we have to do is be obedient and come. And that's kind of where we pick up our text in Luke chapter 14. We're going to be beginning our, our, our reading at verse 16. And as you turn there, just to let you know, you can follow us. Uh, through the Bible app, all, all you simply have to do is go to that little menu, and, and um, when you go to events, you click on events, you can scroll down as long as you have your location services uh, turned on. You can uh, find Christ's Legacy Church, and then you can follow along with our notes uh, this morning. Otherwise, it's right here on the board. You can join with us there, and if you're joining us online, um, you have the whole internet. <laughs> so, But I'm, I'm excited that you would that you'd follow along in Scripture. And as, as we go through this message, I encourage you to take notes. I encourage you to, to, to write down things because I, I want you to know that the, the voice of the Holy Spirit can speak to you, can prompt you. And, and it, it can be a phrase, it can be a word, it can be a passage of Scripture. But if you're not prepared to receive it, it'll just come straight by you. Don't, don't miss out what the Holy Spirit sets before you this morning. Amen? As we go into the context of this passage of Scripture, we find at the beginning of verse 14 that Jesus has been invited to join a beautiful banquet provided as a host by, by a, a Pharisee, a, a dignitary, a, a person with great influence among the community. He's, this, this Pharisee throws this lavish banquet and he invites all the important people. And, and Jesus is uh, the talk of the town, uh, although uh, it's probably an uncomfortable invitation for Jesus to, to join. He, he understands that uh, if you're invited to a banquet and you really don't have a, a good excuse as to why you shouldn't come, uh, then you should accept the invitation. And so Jesus accepts the invitation to come, but he he never get, misses an opportunity to speak the truth. So as he's at this, at this feast, at this banquet prepared by the Pharisee, uh, he immediately sees a person with dropsy. Now, this is a, an older medical term that, 
really uh, represents a modern-day edema or uh, the building up of fluid in your body. And this could happen anywhere in a person's body where the fluid begins to pull and, and the body begins to swell. But it's more common to be noticed in the hands and the wrists or the legs, the ankles, the feet. You can see that that part, portion of the body will begin to swell. And so it's pretty evident if Jesus sees it that other people see it. And Jesus notices it across the room. He's gotten in trouble for this before, but he looks around the room. It's filled with Pharisees. It happens to be a Sabbath where they're feasting. And he says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And everybody looks at him. No answer. Can you believe that? No answer in the middle of a room where it's basically the lawyers of the day. Is it lawful for me to heal on a Sabbath? It's kind of curious to me as why there's no answer in this question because obviously they had their opinion. They believed it wasn't lawful because it was work for Jesus to reach out and to do something. But can I tell you something, friend? He can speak a word and you can be healed. But nevertheless, as a gentleman, Jesus asked the question because it's not his house. Is it lawful? With no answer. Jesus begins to teach. And he taught on humility. But he reaches out and he heals the man. And he tells him to hit the road. The man walks away. And Jesus continues to teach. He teaches on a banquet. He teaches that if, if you're going to throw a banquet, don't just invite the people that are going to end up inviting you back to their banquets. And you turn into the circuit of banquets where you, everybody's just glad to see each other, just patting each other on the back for hosting a, yet another banquet. He says, invite people to your banquet. Invite people to your table that can't repay you back. And he talks about humility, and he talks about where you sit whenever you're invited. He says, don't just rush up to the front of the table and sit, because then you're going to be humiliated whenever the, 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 the host asks you to move on down. But instead, sit at a lesser spot and allow the host to, be exalt, uh, to, to move you up, because whoever exalts himself will be made low, and whoever makes themselves low will be exalted. And how many of you know that's a principle of the kingdom of heaven? You shouldn't just rush to make yourself known, but instead allow God to bring you up. And here in this moment, one of the Pharisees or one of the men sitting there listening to Jesus makes a comment. He makes this comment. It's an observation. And he says, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. They're all sitting enjoying a banquet, and, and here Jesus is sitting at the table, and a man says, what a blessing it will be to enjoy a banquet at the kingdom of God. He's, he's basically saying, one of these days, guys, we're all going to be sitting around the table in God's presence. <laughs> Can you imagine? He is sitting at a banquet in God's presence. And he doesn't even recognize it. Man, that's a different sermon, but I want to stop there and point out something. How scary can it be for you and I that we can be in the immediate vicinity that the Lord himself could just reach out and touch us? We could be in the presence of God Almighty and miss it that bad.
But in that moment, Jesus takes a a look around the table and begins to teach with a parable. For those of you that don't know what a parable is, it's simply a story that we can understand that is about earth, but with a heavenly meaning. And so as we read this passage of Scripture, lean into it because it's just barely a parable. It could almost be classified as autobiographical material that Jesus is speaking about himself. Because the kingdom of God is so often compared to a banquet. In verse 16, Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I won't I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. His master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone who you find to come so that the house will be full for none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Heavenly Father, open our hearts and our lives, Lord, to receive your word. Let us understand the the barely veiled meaning, Lord Jesus, of this parable. Lord, that we would be first beckoned to come by you, Lord. Lord, and accept the invitation ourselves. And Lord, secondly, become your servants, that we would take it out to the highways, the byways, the hedges, the streets. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So we see in this passage of Scripture that the man... This man throws this banquet and he sends out invitation. Now, in order to understand this passage of Scripture, you you really need to understand the cultural context of this moment because to some of us, it may seem like like Jesus, or excuse me, like the man is uh, sending out a single invitation and telling everybody to come and nobody can because they've already made other plans. But the hearers in the day would have understood that the cultural expectation was to first send out invitations and to get everyone to agree to come within the community. And then, because it was so labor-intensive and there was, there was no method of pr- preservation to, to preserve uh, the food that you made or anything like that, it, that he would, the, the master would send out his servants, and tell everybody, okay, everybody, you've agreed to come, you've accepted the invitation, now come and participate in the banquet. It's ready. I cleaned the house. I washed the dog. I got all the kids sitting down. Food's ready, sitting on the table. Come on and get it. Dinner bell outside. So the servants come out and they They tell everybody, it's ready. You've accepted the invitation. You said you'd come. It's time. Come on, get ready. Let's go. And here in this moment, 
that's when the Bible says all at once, all at once, the excuses begin to come. When it was actually time to come, whenever it wasn't just about the words, wasn't just about the, the verbal commitment, wasn't just about to, I'll just put it in my schedule, but it was actually the time to actually get out there, step out and come, all of a sudden the excuses come. And, and listen to the excuses. Listen to what these guys said. I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Are you kidding me? How many of you out there right now, show of hands, you'd just go ahead and buy a house without ever seeing a picture of it? Never set a foot, never saw a picture, you just buy a house. Anybody? Anybody? Nobody? Well, that's what this guy said he did. I don't believe it either. He gave an excuse. And he said, please excuse me, are you kidding me? The time is now and you want an excuse now? Next guy, all at once, the next guy says this. He says, he, well, I have just bought five pairs of oxen, and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. It's a banquet. It's nighttime. What are you doing trying out oxen at nighttime? And besides all that, why would you buy five pairs of oxen without knowing if they could do the work? You're supposed to go and test drive the car. Come on, somebody. I don't know about this Carvana stuff. Anyway, that's another thing. <laughs> Buying cars online, are you serious? Anyway, drive the car. You want to buy a used car, drive it out first. Amen. <laughs> and you're going to try it out now? Excuse you? No. I understand why the master is furious. And then this last guy. I, sorry, hey, hey, you know, master, you know, the, this, this woman that I married can't come, married. And he didn't even, he didn't even care to ask for an excuse. It's probably because he was relying on a, on a law. He, he was speaking from a legal sense now. Because there was a law in Deuteronomy that said if a person's married for the first year, they can't help, be held to any kind of obligation, whether it be civil or military. But this wasn't a civil or military obligation. This is a party. Are you kidding me? You got you to um, you, you isolate yourself from any kind of social interaction because you're married? Come on. That is not what God has called you to do. God has called you to be joined together, together, together. And he thinks that he can just hide behind the, behind the law he thinks that he can just hide behind something and not even ask for an excuse. The master at this point is just furious. And it kind of started getting me thinking. I, I kind of wonder what kind of excuses that, that we use sometimes. What kind of excuses do we give the master whenever we're bid to come? See, what you may not under, uh, ha have caught yet is that this... Uh, this parable is, it's got a lot of uh, meaning to it because here the, the guests of honor, the first invitations represent the Jews. The, the, the man throwing the banquet is God the Father and the servants are the prophets. And over generations, the prophets are telling and telling and telling 
people, with giving people the invitation to come to the master's banquet, to come and dine. And the Jews, guests of honor, when Jesus came, ended up refusing the invitation, passing on it. And Jesus is forecasting this. He's living it in the moment that they're refusing the invitation to come into the kingdom of God. But I want you to know this morning that this is, this is deeper than just what may be historically obvious. You see, because there could be even people here in this sanctuary right now that would hear the invitation to come, and we would respond affirmatively, yes, I'll come. Perhaps you even came down to an altar at some point and said, Lord, I'll come. Maybe one day you raised your hand and you said, I, I, I want to get saved. One day you may have even knelt down and prayed a prayer and asked the Lord to come into your heart. But can I tell you something? That there are no magical words, no incantations, no, no, no mystical agreements that you and I can make that bind us to Christ except for the commitment that we have to him to actually walk, to actually follow him. Because there are many people that would raise their hand, many people that would bow, bend their knee, many people that would make a commitment to follow. But when it comes to actually following, when it comes to actually coming, here come the excuses. Here come the excuses. So what are the excuses that we have? Perhaps some of the excuses is because, you know, it takes a lot of free time, you know? I, I work so hard during the week. I, I've, got, I've got so much pressure and so much stress, I could not possibly spend the amount of time that it actually takes in order to come to church and to, to come to Bible study and to be a part of a, 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 the Bible engagement project, to come and eat on Wednesday night, to, to, to minister throughout the week. To, to, I, I, can't, I can't do it. It's just too much. You don't know what my kids' schedules are. You don't know what my schedule is. Listen, I am saved. I promise you. I don't have time to do all that other stuff. Excuses. Maybe you could be one of those people that say, well, you know, listen, Pastor John, I, I, I really want to come, but I don't feel like I understand my faith very much. I, I, I don't really... I don't really understand how, how all of this works, and so I, I feel bad. I would feel like a hypocrite if I, if, I, if I came and I said I was a Christian and I participated in, in some of the things that I, I just don't really truly understand. And so for that reason, I don't want to be called a hypocrite. I don't want to be put in that, that, that box, and so I just, I'm just going to be true to who I am. I'm going to be myself. I can't do it because I don't understand. Sir, ma'am, can I ask you a question? Do you understand gravity? Do you, do you understand electricity? I, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I've had a couple classes on it, and I still would just prefer to hit that light switch and not think about it. Do, I mean, we don't even understand how we eat food and how it comes into our body and how from that food we get the energy that our body needs to, to, to make muscle and tissue and blood and hair and bone. All, we don't even understand that. We don't understand how we can take a black cow and get white milk and yellow cheese. 
I mean, we don't even understand that. And you're telling me that you have to understand the mysteries of the gospel in order to believe? God is speaking to you, and he didn't say understand and be saved. He said what? Believe and be saved. Christ's legacy, believe and be saved. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you would admit to yourself, perhaps not to everyone, but just to yourself, that you have a difficult time letting go of possessions. You have an affinity for money or affinity for things, and it's hard to, to, to give up that desire for those things and to cling on to Christ and his invitation to come. But I, I, we had the Harvest Fest the other night, and I, I had the opportunity to carry around my two-year-old and play games, and he was playing games as much as he could, and, and they would give him little Tootsie Rolls, right? And he'd get those Tootsie Rolls, and he had two of them in his hand, he'd walk around, and I had a little, his little candy sack with me. I tried to get him to put him in the sack so that he could get more with his little hands. He could only hold two Tootsie Rolls at a time. And he didn't want to put the Tootsie Rolls in the sack that I was going to carry around for him. Because I was going to keep them. I was going to hold all those Tootsie Rolls that he wanted. But he wouldn't let them go so he could get more. He had to hold on to those. Ladies and gentlemen, that's kind of like us as Christians. Now, that Jesus tells us that he will provide for every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, that he knows what you need even before you ask. And so here you are, you want to hold on to the things that you got and you don't want to give them to him whenever he's going to give you more than you could ever imagine? Are you serious? Put the Tootsie Rolls in the bag, folks. He'll be there. Trust him. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. You see, Christ's legacy excuses don't hold up to a God that doesn't look on the outward appearance, but instead can peer through and see your heart and determine what your motivations are. Don't, don't offer God any more excuses as to why you won't come to the banquet that he lays before you. Very quickly, I want to share with you this. When the master was furious at all the excuses, he told his servants to go quickly. There was urgency about him. Go quickly. Get the poor, get the crippled, get the blind, get the lame, and tell them to come into my house so that the banquet that I, I prepared will be eaten, will be enjoyed. It will be enjoyed. Jesus was referring to the Gentiles. It's that directive, it's that command that you and I have an opportunity to come into this house this morning and worship a, 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 our creator God because he said, go get the ones that weren't invited. Go get the ones that didn't even know that this banquet was happening. Go get the ones that were hurting, that were in need. 
that were blind, that were lame, and tell them to come into this place. You and I have the opportunity to hear the gospel. But then I start thinking about the question of who is welcome into this place? Who's welcome at your table? What kind of person sits across from you? Have you invited? Is it a person that looks like you, that acts like you, that sounds like you? Is it a person that agrees with everything that you agree with? Believes in everything that you believe in? I gotta admit Christ's legacy, my own personal life. I don't even agree with myself all the time. So if you wanna have dinner with somebody that agrees with you all the time, you can't eat. But instead, the Lord has told the servants to go quickly to get those that are hurting, lame, the blind, and bring them in. Who should come to this church? It's a good question, isn't it? It's a question that we have to wrestle with. Who gets to enjoy the banquet? Because if we really believe, and I'm telling you, if we really, really believe that this, God's presence, God's healing touch, the prayer, the life-changing impact of the Holy Spirit of God that comes down in this place, that meets you right where you are, that changes you, that frees the addict, that forgives the sin is only for us, You've missed it. You've missed it. Maybe you haven't even enjoyed dining at the master's table before. Maybe you don't even know what it's about yourself. You come, it's like going to a buffet and just going straight to the seats and sitting there, smelling the food and seeing it displayed and you don't come to the table. You don't eat. Folks, Christ's legacy. It's time to come to the Father's table to eat. It's time to, to enjoy what the Father's prepared. It's time to enjoy healing, redemption. It's time to enjoy freedom in His name. It's, it's time to enjoy having the weight of the guilt and the sin and the shame removed on from us so that we can walk out of this, his presence, standing cleansed and clean. It's time, it's time to experience the spirit of revival in this place. But first, you have to come and dine. But then the servant comes back to him and says, Master, there's still room. There's still room. What do you want me to do? Master, there's spots available. There's seats here and there. There's other services to add. There's all this room for expansion. And the master said, go out and get more. This time, compel them to come. That's a special word, compel. It doesn't mean that you force. It doesn't mean that you pick up. It doesn't mean that you obligate. Instead, it means don't take no for an answer. 
Invite your friends. They don't want to come? Invite your friends. They said no. Invite your friends. They got, a, they got something like a soccer game. Invite your friends. They got something. Invite your friends. I've run out of excuses. Invite your friends. They come. They come. They will come. They will come. I was looking back, uh, just the statistic and statistical analysis came back from our Harvest Fest. And the second leading reason why somebody came to a Harvest Fest is because you invited them. Because you invited them. Christ's legacy, it's you. It's you. You can come and you can invite people to share at the master's table. You can compel them. And then there's that pesky little Greek word that I always have to go back and research because I forgot what it means. It says anyone in the English, and I'm like, oh yeah, it's, it's, it means in Greek, anyone can come. Everybody. It doesn't matter how they voted. It doesn't matter what their accent is. It doesn't matter what their skin color is. It doesn't matter how many numbers that they've got in their bank account. Praise the Lord. It doesn't matter. Anyone that you see should come. It's up to us. Perhaps it's been a long time since you've yourself has experienced the banquet at the master's table. Perhaps you're a servant if you've been inviting and you've been telling people, but, but it's hard to convince somebody whenever you yourself don't really remember what it's like. You can pray this prayer along with King David in Psalm 51, verse 12. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Make me willing to obey you and our master tells us to quickly go out and compel them to come into this place to dine at the table that why he says it right there he says at verse 23 this is so that god's house will be filled come on somebody our command is to fill this place Let's be obedient children of God. Would you stand with me all over this place? We have an opportunity here at Christ's Legacy to use this as a season of obedience to gather people to fill His house, to dine at the banquet of God, to enjoy His, His company to be touched by the Spirit of God in our lives, to be changed, to be set free from bondage, to experience the joy of salvation, and to experience a spirit in our lives that is renewed and made new by only what He can do in our lives. And all we have to do is tell people to come. I think it's kind of amazing that we put all these obligations and requirements on things because I'll, I'll be the first to tell you right now that I didn't pay for the party. You didn't pay for the party. It's our master's party. He paid for it. And it's time to tell people to get into this place right now. Come on. Come on. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He deserves it. You deserve it, Lord. You deserve it, Lord. Right now, Lord, I ask God that you would move across the face of this audience right now and look into the motives, into the lives of each individual in this place. Lord, if there is some person in this place that is feeling the urgency of your Holy Spirit directing them to accept your invitation to come, Lord, I pray, God, I beseech you, Lord, to see their heart 
and to bring them into your into salvation to you, Lord Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you are making it a, a determination for the first time to receive the Lord as your Savior, or renew your commitment this morning to the, to the Savior, if you would just simply raise up your hand. Nobody's looking around right now. I'm, I'm watching you. Thank you. Yes. If you're, if you're receiving the Lord or making a, a, a commitment to Him right now, accepting His invitation, would you simply raise your hand? I have one right over here. I'm looking all across. We won't continue until I, I, I feel satisfied that, that you've had an opportunity to receive that invitation. Thank you. Yes, I see you. There's two. Is there another? Is another that would raise their hand and say, I'm accepting an invitation to sit at the master's table. This is the most important part of this message. You're standing here, you wanna receive that invitation. That's you, simply slip up your hand so I can acknowledge you. Lord, we praise you for the two hands that have been lifted in this place. We praise you, God, for the invitation that has come out to them. Lord, and for their affirmation, Lord, their commitment to you. Lord, let it not be just with their, with their mouth that they, that they affirm you, but Lord, instead, Lord, let it be out of, out of their actions, Lord, out of their life, that they, they take steps to follow after you, that they commit themselves wholly and completely to you, Lord. We give you the praise and glory for them. In this moment, you're, you're standing here this morning and you say, Pastor John, I, I, I'm a servant of God. I've accepted the, the invitation to be a part of this banquet, but, but Pastor John, I, I, I'm hurting. I'm one of the blind. I'm one of the lame. I, it's been such a long time since I've experienced the joy of the Lord's salvation. I just, I, I, I need a healing in my body. I need a touch in my relationships. If that's simply you, I want to invite you to come down to the altars where we'll have our prayer partners meet you here and pray with you. And we'll continue to pray as long as you want to. There's one other group of people. It's represented as that Greek word, everybody. All y'all. That our obligation, our directive, our mission as servants of Christ and children of God is to compel, to urge to fill the Father's house. There should be, by the power of the Holy Spirit, names and faces scrolling across your mind right now, people that your life brushes up against every day. That's not by accident. It's the Holy Spirit prompting you, directing you to those people. I want to have a prayer with you right now that you be obedient and invite them to come. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the banquet, Lord, that you prepared before us. We thank you, Lord, for our invitation. But Lord, as obedient servants, I pray, God, that you would prompt each and every person in this place within the sound of my voice to, to invite, to compel, to not take no for an answer so that your house, your kingdom, 
would be filled. Lord, that we'd gather people for your name. Lord, let your house be filled. I pray, God, that you'd give them the words to speak, the power, the boldness to speak them with. Lord, I pray, God, that you would give them uh, the, the, the authority, Lord. I pray, God, them, that you would give them favor with every eye that they come in contact with. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that you would make them a light to their community, a light to their neighbors, to their family, to their friends. Lord, a light across the gas pump, Lord, of your love and your life that people can come into the saving knowledge of who you are and what you can do in their life if they're willing, if they simply come. We give you all the praise and glory for it's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. And everybody said, amen. Let's go and be the light to the community. Hallelujah.